The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Hey, everybody. It is indeed that time again. Welcome to my program, Afternoons with Mike, right here on the Shepherd Radio Network. Uh, A couple of years ago, you've all heard the story. When I moved back to Orlando, one of the first things that I did was join the Orlando Christian Chamber, the Central Florida Christian Chamber. Now, uh, in that process, I met a bunch of people, including Mark Goldstein, who's regularly on my program and a big part of us at The Shepherd and really, um, well, one of the biggest uh, connectors I know in life. That's what Mark is. But another person that I met was Christy Naruzzi. Christy is here today, and I'd like to say welcome. Thank you, and good afternoon, Mike. You know, what I'd like for you to do is to kind of uh, explain what your role is. I get to see you in action, but uh, really, ever since I started coming, you've you've had that role up front in the chamber on the microphone. Uh, how did all that happen? Actually, it happened because of Mark. Ah. <laughs> I've been a member for um, several years with the Central Florida Christian Chamber, and it's amazing. It's changed my life, uh, really built some amazing relationships, and um the gal who would start us off and do all of the you know, presentations throughout the luncheon every single month had retired and she moved to the other side of the state. And so Mark thought it would be a good idea <laughs> to drag me in front of everybody. I think he knew that I had um, a burning desire to be on a TED Talk stage one day. Oh my goodness, that's so, a big goal. It's a big goal. Yeah. So um, this is practice every single month. So I am blessed to be the MC for the monthly luncheons, and uh, it's it's fun. It's so much fun to stand up there, and I'm scared. I'm terrified every time I go stand up there, and it's like half of the room are my friends. Well, <laughs> but you- it's a scary thing, and I do it anyway, and it's fun. You've got one of those award-winning smiles that people feel warmed up to, and it's a wonderful greeting. And that's what I saw, and I'm so grateful that uh, I was able to be a part uh, for the uh, term that Mark had uh, in the balance as the leader of the Christian Chamber. And of course, Mark found his replacement in Crystal Parker, and you're still working with Crystal. She's amazing. Yeah, she she feeds my soul with her amazing, just God fed energy. Her spirit is just yeah. awesome. Yeah, I don't quite understand where all that comes from, uh, but I'm, I'm hoping that one day someone will learn how to tap into that. <laughs> uh, by the way, she's going to be back on my program later on in a couple of days from now, awesome. along with Mark Goldstein. So that's going to be fun. So I'm going to have uh, both leaders, past and current, uh, here on the program and find out from them because some exciting things are indeed coming up for the Christian Chamber. Incredible things are in the works. Yeah, amazing. And I'm excited about it. And we're going to be able to unveil a lot of those details to our audience when they're up here. So, but let's go back to you. What part of the country did you come from? I'm originally from Blackfoot, Idaho. So we really? lived on the edge of uh, an Indian reservation, the Blackfoot uh, Indians. And I was born in Idaho Falls, which was about an hour away because we didn't have a doctor's office or a hospital. Our town was so tiny. It was less than 10,000 people in our town. So um, my parents, my dad said he was called out there. He was a pastor. Okay. My parents met at a Christian church and 
Uh, my dad's originally from Colorado. Mom's from Ohio. Mom always wore the pants like <laughs> what she what she wanted, she got. But um, they moved back to Ohio when when they got married. And uh, they were there for a number of years. And then my father said he felt called to plant a church in Idaho. In and Idaho. There's a lot of Mormons. <laughs> yeah. We weren't welcomed. Yeah. Um, it was very, very, very interesting time. So myself and my little sister were born there. There's five of us in my sibling set. And um, yeah, my dad planted a church and he built a duplex up north. The duplexes are different than here, right? They're upstairs, downstairs. And so upstairs was the church and downstairs was a private Christian school. And so the first couple of years of my life, I went to a school where my dad was the principal and I thought I could get away with anything. <laughs> I couldn't. <laughs> I could not. Yeah. But um, being uh, a pastor's kid, you're kind of living in a fishbowl. Yeah. I remember uh, the incident that happened with my oldest daughter uh, when she, we were in Kentucky and uh, some one of the uh, I was at a church. I was a pastor at a church, youth pastor. <laughs> And um, on a Sunday, one of the Sunday school teachers told my daughter, uh, you can't go in that room right there. And she promptly put her hands on her waist and looked up at the teacher and said, my daddy's boss here. So uh, and she found out that it didn't matter whether her daddy was a pastor there or not. She was not going to go into that room. But that was a that was a rude awakening (laughs) for her. And uh, it's funny when I hear stories like what you're talking about, you think that you own the place and. You find out you don't. No. Yeah. You're actually further down the totem pole than, you know, just the the, the paying, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Students, though. Oh, my goodness. I had a, a conversation the other night for, with a young lady from Idaho, and it was, uh, she worked for Quicken. Wow. And, and I, I had some, I've got a new program that I'm working through and getting everything lined up. And so I needed some support. And she found out that I'm from Orlando, and of course, Orlando to a lot of people in the United it's States, <laughs> it's the dream world. Yes. That's right. This is um, truly the magic kingdom, uh, not in just the Disney sense of the word, but boy, people love to come to Orlando for vacations. But she said of Idaho, she said, uh, there's not a lot going on here. There's not it's, a lot. Yeah. It's, it's beautiful, but there's just not a lot going on. Yeah. Yeah. So were you, you mentioned now you're in the northern part. Is that right? No, uh, it, it's kind of like a boot We're yeah. down by the toes. Okay. Yep. All right. So I've never been to Idaho. I've flown over it. Yeah. But uh, that's about all it's I It's interesting. If anybody's uh, seen the movie Napoleon Dynamite, it's it's filmed in Pocatello, which isn't too far from where I was raised. Oh, the first I saw that movie. Yes. Oh, my yeah. goodness. The next time you see it, you'll look at the background. There's just, there's a lot of plains and then you see, you know, uh, the the mountains out in the distance, but it's not like the Rockies in Colorado or anything like that. It's kind of boring. Now, I do believe I, this is the first Napoleon Dynamite reference that's, so that's ever happened on my program. So I feel <laughs> that this is a big moment right now. I need to somehow, <laughs> I need to memorialize this moment. Uh, but uh, that, that, that was the crazy. the dance he's doing. <laughs> My lips hurt. <laughs> That's all I can think of. I need chapstick. It's yeah. so good. It's just crazy. That is the craziest nutty movie I've ever seen in my life. For sure. The first time I saw it, I thought, what is the deal? The second time I saw it, I laughed through the entire thing. And then from then on, my son became a master impersonator of oh, Napoleon. No. And he did a, a, a stand-up when one visit with my parents who... Uh, are now both gone to be with the Lord, but they were down visiting us. And my son took my dad's glasses, which were just exactly like Kit's glasses. 
and he he proceeded to do a one man glasses on glasses off portrayal of a conversation between Napoleon and his brother. Outstanding. It was hilarious. Pedro for president. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So Um, that was, that was the first eight years of my life. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Well, now I have a great image of what uh, the part of the country that you came from. That's just awesome. Uh, Were, were you one that really loved the fact that your dad was in ministry? No, I rebelled. From, ah. from day one, I've I've been a little rebel. My mom said the day that I was born, like the moment I was born, the nurse puts her puts me in her arms, and I'm facing my mom, and I moved my head the opposite direction. My mom's like, "She's ten minutes old. How is this happening?" And yeah. so she moved my face back to her, and I moved it again. That it's and, it's crazy, isn't well, it? Well, I think that that was the moment that she knew God gave her a very strong willed uh-huh. young lady to raise. Yeah. <laughs> And the doctrine of sin is alive and well. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah. Lived in Florida since I was eight years old, though. So you made the move from uh, it, there was Ohio mentioned, Idaho mentioned. How is it that you came to Florida? Uh, grandma and great grandmother, like everybody else, right, <laughs> retired in Florida, and uh, it was the second or third really big snowstorm, blizzard style, and my mom is like. I'm donezo here. So we came, we did, we conquered. And my mom was like, hey, March 18th, the U-Haul is coming. And we'd love it if you join us, is what oh. she said to my dad. Oh, no. and, and what did he <laughs> the say? The decision was made. <laughs> so I see what story. you mean now when you said she wore the pants in the family. <laughs> yes. She really did. She really did. Made She's, the decisions. She made the decisions. The big, big ones, she usually defaulted to him, but not in this one. She was like, I'm not doing another winter in Idaho. What did he do in uh, or in Florida then when he moved here? Well, when we first moved here, he actually, he drove almost an hour to go sell lawnmowers at Sears. So he had worked at Sears for decades. Um, he just, he sold appliances. He never really went back into the ministry. Um, my mom, she rocked it. She uh, got into Mary Kay Cosmetics and she earned two cars, not quite the pink Cadillac, but um, she was the the breadwinner for our family. She taught me a lot of lessons about hustle. And uh, I also saw I could go and work for X dollars an hour for somebody else and they dictate my schedule or you could work for yourself. There it is. Yeah. And, and that's sometimes a scary thing, but terrifying. <laughs> yeah. But if one can do it and yes. one is successful at doing it, obviously the end game is much better. Yes. Yeah. So, um, so I learned a lot of lessons from mom and she never gave up on me. Never gave up on me. Back to your original question, I was a, a rebel from day one, but I really acted out like my teen years. Um, so I'm number four out of five kids. And we all, you know, went through what we went through, you know, teen years and, and um, acting out and trying to figure out our place in this world. But I really gave it to my parents. And wow. they never they never gave up on me, even through all of the terrible decisions. Yeah. But um, yeah. So how did you have your coming to the Lord moment? Well, I will spare you the details, but in my late 20s, I was in a terrible relationship, um, emotionally and physically abusive. Um, There were drugs involved, and I was in a really terrible place and just faked a smile every day. And um, there was this one particular night at the end of a really long weekend (laughs) um, that I actually almost blanked, like blacked out. And I couldn't see anything, but I could hear something going on. It was at the middle of the night. We're mm-hmm. wide awake, partying. And I could hear noises of a hospital, like an emergency room. It was almost like a gurney or something getting shoved down a hall. And I could hear a man's voice. And I heard my mom say, she what? 
And that was, that was the end of that life for me. And right then I said, Jesus, if you can get me out of this, okay. I will give you my life. Wow. And he did. <laughs> he rescued me. I got out of that relationship. I've never looked back at that lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, in my 20s, if you wanted to find me, I was at a bar. I was not at church. And uh, So when you say miserable. you rebelled, you, not just from a heart standpoint, but, but from a lifestyle oh, standpoint. Oh, lifestyle, yeah. yeah you, you know, um, I, I heard a pastor say many years ago, and it just, it was exactly the way I wanted to explain it. I just didn't have the words, so now I get to borrow what he, I heard him mm-hmm. say. I had a God-sized hole in my uh, heart. That's the third time now this quote, <laughs> that's from Blaise Pascal. That's the third time this quote has been used in one week on my program. My that, goodness. That's, well. That is another first. So I've got Napoleon Dynamite <laughs> and I've got the Blaise Pascal quote. That's, got, that's, that's amazing. Well, and you there know, is I a God-sized Yeah, hole. absolutely. And I, I can see it in so many people. And I'm thankful for that experience and that walk because part of my journey can be a testimony to somebody else because quite honestly... You know, I, I, I love, I've got a heart for foster kids. Um, the first eight years of my life, my parents took in foster kids, 150 to 200 a year. And then my mom had a daycare and then there were five of us. So it was just, it was a full house all the time. And I remember really seeking or needing or wanting attention, you mm-hmm. know, because it was so, it was spread so thin from my parents, but they loved so, so dearly and so greatly. Um, but I can, I can see it in other people. And there was this young lady, she was aging out of the foster care system. I was volunteering kind of mentoring and teaching there um, with some of the lessons and, and things that I know. And she lashed out at me, rightfully so. And she said, what do you know? You know, thinking that I've got it all together and I've always had it all together. And I said, sister, let me, let me tell you mm. where, where I've been. And you just don't, you don't know what somebody else's high heels feel like until you got to walk a parking lot. Now, there's another phrase I've never used right there, so I can't relate to that one, but I'll give that one to you. Uh, it's an inside joke, friends, because I told Mike I parked on the wrong side of the parking lot. And I've been working from home a lot often, so I'm not even used to wearing the heels. Oh, so. my goodness, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's 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 part of where, where I get to share God's love and his redemption. Um you know, to, to somebody who's got that God-sized hole in their heart that I can just see in their eyes. Now, a lot of people who have that, let's say, um, the hole and they realize it's there, along with that is a, a huge uh, sense of regret over years. Did how, how did that work for you, knowing you grew up in a home that taught and preached the gospel and you rebelled, mm-hmm. uh, and into your 20s you rebelled? How, how did you handle the coming back part with, with what was the years past? Well, I mean, gratefully I have parents that know the Lord. So, you know, grace and forgiveness is just part of the walk, right? It's, it's part of our, that's our new heart. Yep. If, if they weren't who they were and I came back and asked for forgiveness, I may not have been received the same way. You know, um, it can be human tendency to hold grudges. And if my parents weren't saved, they may have said, you hurt us, you know, and I can't forgive that or something along those lines. But thankfully that wasn't part of the the story. My mom said, girl, I, I forgave you long ago. You have to forgive you. And that's where I really wrestled with a lot of shame mm-hmm. and guilt, yeah. you know, because that's I wronged regret, a lot yeah. of people and I hurt a lot of people. I was very selfish. And um, all I can do is be in the now, you know, and prove I'm a different person. And, you know, once, once you make that change in your life, my friends all shifted. I, I 
wasn't at the bars anymore. So those weren't my friends any longer. You know, I had to say goodbye to, I had to mourn a lot of relationships, you know, but that wasn't my path any longer, Mm -hmm. you know? So all you can do is try to have that journey, invite them to come along. And what's amazing is one of my best friends from my twenties, we, we have this app called Marco Polo. She lives in a different part of the state and she's a morning person. I'm not. (laughs) So we send videos to each other just to keep updated almost daily. And you know, she and I were the ones dancing on the bar, you know, and now she and I are the ones, you know, serving. <laughs> what a wonderful turnaround. It's amazing. Yeah. There were, there were a few of us that, you know, it, it, at our right time, at our own time, you know, had come to know the Lord. We, we lost one of our best friends to cancer, but through that, she came to know Jesus. She didn't before. Mm-hmm. And she, she was a living testimony for her whole journey through that battle. And I know many, many people came to know the Lord because of her right, and her changed heart. So, you know, it, it's, it's, it's different timing for different people. And I'm glad it happened before that opportunity wasn't there for many longer. And my life is so abundantly full. And I just know it's because I serve a party of one now. That's wonderful. <laughs> and that's why I asked that question earlier, because you, uh, you exude the joy of the Lord, oh, and, and I really mean that. And how that happens with with a lot of people, uh, they're just not able to catch hold of the grace of God. Uh, and sadly, what you said is so true that sometimes parents uh, aren't as uh, gracious right. and forgiving as what your parents were. So you were handled well by by not only them but also the the others in your network of support. And I'm grateful that you enjoyed the grace of God and got to see it up close and in person. My guest today is Christy Naruzzi, and we'll be back with segment two coming up in a moment. And I promise in the spirit of Napoleon Dynamite to cook you all a delicious bass. It will come right up right here on Afternoons with Mike. This is The Shepherd. In the studio with me today is Christy Naruzzi, and she is a, we haven't even talked about your business yet. We've talked about the fact that you were with the Christian Chamber and you're the MC, and uh, I heard this wonderful story of of uh, you're coming from Idaho, uh, where Napoleon Dynamite, and and that that will will be a moment that uh, you're bringing that up. It is just unleashed. I'm afraid a whole bunch of images and memories of just crazy, crazy one-liners from that movie. It's but funny. boy, what a fun thing that was! Uh, I think a lot of people I know walked out of the theater. They oh, thought it, they thought it was the stupidest thing they've ever seen. Those that paid what in in nowadays uh, speaking $12 or something. Yeah, yeah, you almost have to take out a mortgage <laughs> to go to see a movie. It seems, especially if you're going to get popcorn. <laughs> and uh, there are some people I heard that thought this was the craziest, stup- most stupid thing. I'll be honest, I didn't love it the first time I saw it. Yeah, and then I wound up just kind of accidentally sitting in to watch it a second time. And I really enjoyed it. Well, well, thank you for bringing that up because now, uh, I mean, I have many, many memories of a bunch of guys sitting around a a table at the end of a men's conference and uh, they would have me break out in all the different lines. That's awesome. From that movie. And uh, people just laugh. And I I think sometimes they're like, I'm laughing, but I don't know why I'm laughing. (laughs) That's so true. Chrissy, you are involved in the mortgage business. Tell us about that. Well, it's a crazy time right now. Yeah. It is. What's up with that? Um, goodness gracious. So the last year has really been quite a challenge if you're a financed buyer. So if you're a cash buyer, which there were just 
so many people selling their home for top dollar, usually in the other states. And they're coming down, they're trying to get out of the cold in New York or the craziness in California or wherever. And, and they are used to much higher prices. For sure. There. And then you have um, state employment tax in a lot of states. And we yeah. don't have that here. And, you know, politics aside, but we do have an incredible governor mm-hmm. <laughs> doing great things in our state. But, um, you know, there's some some states that they just didn't like the way that things were handled or where they're going. And um, a lot of people can now work remotely. And so why not live in the happiest place on earth? Yeah. So we've got a lot of people coming here. And, you know, Lake Nona area is, is just blowing up the medical city and and, you know, all sorts of reasons why people would come here. We have a great college. We have a number of great colleges. A number but of them. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, specifically UCF pulling in a, a big crowd. And so um, there's just there's just a lot of draw here. So speaking uh, of UCF, it's yes. one of the largest uh, attended schools in, in the, the country. country. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. If not the largest. I, I thought I had read it was the largest. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. 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 We'll give them Good that for us. today. Go Knights. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Go Knights. Uh, although I, I have to always say, as I say that, I have to quickly... Follow that up with Go Gators because that that's just the where I am. I spent 17 years in Gainesville, and wow. so I you have I, to. <laughs> I have to. I've got too many friends up there that would not be happy with me if uh, that's right. <laughs> well, I mean, all across the state, we have amazing, amazing colleges. You know, um, so we have all these people coming in. They just sold their home for very top dollar. They've got hundreds of thousands of dollars in their bank account, and they can pay over list price. They don't have to have, and they don't mind doing that. They don't. Well, because their homes are are some areas are priced much higher. Think, take California, you know, or New York State for instance. There's a you get a lot more home in other states than you would in places like that. So, um, for them to come down and see what might look like in their eyes a seven hundred thousand dollar home, but it has a price tag of five hundred, they don't mind paying five fifty or five seventy five. So, a lot of things have changed. I know we've got a very limited amount of time, so I can't go into why rates were historically low, um, other than just saying the government was the largest uh, buyer of mortgage-backed securities. And so in February 2020, President Trump at the time had said, hey, we're going to buy billions of these. So when your mortgage is a, becomes a loan, right, you've originated it, it's now a loan, it becomes a security or an investment. They're called MBSs, mortgage-backed securities. And so they're sold off. Well, the government was the biggest buyer. So all of these other investors were like, well, hey, look, that's a sexy investment. You know, the government's buying billions of dollars. And they were. And so it artificially drove down interest rates. And when we heard historically low, I think it's it, to us, it just sounded like a marketing thing. Right. But it was literally the lowest interest rates have ever been ever, ever in, since the creation of, of interest rates. Yeah, right. So um, and and now, I mean, if if you look at like um, somewhere in the 80s to the Great Recession, right? Which started in 07, 08. Um, other than one month, which happened to be June of 2003, interest rates were always five and above. It was just, that was the going rate. So now we're in the fives again. And I've got some people saying like, oh my gosh, that's so high. I might wait until interest rates come down. Like You might be waiting a couple lifetimes yeah. because I don't think that's ever going to happen again. Last year, the government announced that they were going to be doing tapering of bonds, which is uh, another way of saying they're going to stop buying those mortgage-backed securities, and they did. They stopped buying them. They've sold them all off, and that is one of the factors why rates have gone up. There's there's several, so we don't have that much time, but that was the biggest driver of of why rates had gone down so low. Uh, 30-year fixed-rate mortgages is the most common, 
and we follow the 10-year uh, treasury note. And that's really what drives where interest rates are, you know, going. So just to let you know, when I, my wife and I, we were talking during the break about the, my first house was a 1930 bungalow mm-hmm. up in Indiana. And I, we bought that house for $14,900 and uh, we had a mortgage though, and it was considered to be a good, a good rate at the for, time, at the time. Yep. What was it? 9.5. See, and it was it was exceptional at the time, and and everything's relative, right? Just like um, you know, if if right now you found gas around the corner at three fifty a gallon, you'd be getting on Facebook bragging about yeah, it, telling all your friends to go and fill relative. up. It's all relative. So so what happened was within a year or so of that, values of homes jumped up. I mean, this is right during the last days of the Carter administration, mm-hmm. and suddenly interest rates though went from 9.5, which is what we had just bought a home a year earlier, and now they're pushing up to 19, 20%. And people, the housing industry ended in our part of the country. And a lot of the workers were moving to Houston back Mm -hmm. then because that's where a lot of the the growth was happening. So uh, when we made the move to Orlando, now fast forward from uh, 1977 now to 1985, and interest rates had been dropping steadily. I bought my first home in Orlando at a bargain, ten point five. Wow! Within <laughs> within two years, we were able to get that down to eight point five, which I thought this will it's never incredible. happen yeah, again. Right? Exactly. And so when we made the move to Orlando a couple of years ago, uh, mortgage rates two point seven five. Hold on to that baby. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, a, it's an interesting time right now to, to be a buyer, but especially to be a financed buyer. So it's got its challenges because inventory is so low. We're starting to see a little bit of a shift right now. There's more homes coming on the market just in the last couple of weeks than we have seen in a long time. Um, a month or two ago, we had 0.68 months worth of inventory. So a balanced market, which means it's not a buyer's market. It's not a seller's market. There's six months worth of inventory. And right now we we have just under one month worth of inventory. So there's just, there's more buyers than there are sellers. Right. And what, what is uh, challenging right now is let's say you refinanced your home or you'd bought your home a few years ago and you're in that two point something or three point something. If you go and, and sell your home today, right, for top dollar, you're going to go and pay for top dollar and have maybe a double interest rate. Yeah. From what you were paying. And a lot of people don't understand the, the impact of, of an interest rate. Um, I just did a, a video on social media not too long ago comparing three and a quarter, which is where we ended uh, last year. And we were, at the time I recorded it, four and a quarter. And I was like, guys, we're heading to five and a quarter. And here we are now. But Is it already over five now? Oh, yeah. It's well over five. Yeah. Oh, my Yeah. On a 30-year, it's less than that on a 15-year. 15 years tend oh. to be about a half a percent uh, less on the interest rate. But um, I used a $300,000 loan, 30-year fixed rate loan as an example. It was $170 per 1% increase per month. So, you know, our, our housing cost tends to be the largest single cash outflow every single month. But, you know, to go and rent, rents have gone up 22% yes. year over year. And you're not guaranteed you're going to be able to keep that. Correct. And, you know, a, a lot of my buyers that are coming to me now, they said, hey, my landlord just told me I'd love for you to renew and your rent is going up $700 a month. Sign here. And they're like... I'm, I'm going to go buy then, yeah. but it's just, it's just a, a challenge because of so many people. I, 
Um, this last weekend, we put in an offer, uh, the realtor with, with our um, shared buyer put in an offer. There were 87 other offers on this home. <laughs> so it's it's still, it's, it's something special. So when we get a contract in, it feels like we just won the lottery. Yeah. Yeah. Because of the fact that, it, again, there's more buyers coming in than there are homes, this inventory uh, uh, quotient that you just gave us. There are more buyers coming in than there are homes that they can buy. And then you add to that, here's another real big problem, uh, is the uh, cost of wood to build something brand new. That's not a great choice right now either. Right. So builders have kind of been in this locked position uh, with their uh, trying to be able to move inventory because of a labor shortage, because of a material shortage, costs have gone up so much. Um, some of the new build contracts that I've been seeing, they said if costs increase more than 10%, basically in layman's terms, they said, we're coming back to you to renegotiate the price because they can't eat it. They would literally lose money. And so the buyer knows my rate is floating. I can't really lock it in until I know I'm, you know, 45 to 60 days inside of my closing window. And uh, so I don't know what my interest rate is going to be at. I, I have a closing coming up on a new construction. We started in January where we were almost to four. And, you know, unfortunately, she's nearly five and a half with her, you know, down payment and credit score. Credit score has a ton to do the the most to do with what and your interest rate is. Keeping what you just said while they go, that point and a half difference is going to be well over $200 a month. Correct. In interest only. Yes. And and so some people can't afford that. They might say they can't afford it, but on paper they can. Maybe it's just a choice. I don't want to pay $200 more for my housing. Unfortunately, we're kind of all experiencing that. Um, insurance companies are really pulling out of Florida big time. Unfortunately, there's um, a, a bunch of people knocking on people's doors saying, hey, there was a hailstorm here a couple of weeks ago. Let me check out your roof. We could get a, an insurance claim on your roof. And it's just, you know, the insurance companies are losing their tails here because of mm -hmm. all of these roof claims. So insurance for most insurance companies that are renewing are renewing someplace between 14 and 25 percent higher each year. There's just there's it's it's a perfect storm, but this too shall pass. Nothing stays the same, right? So it's it's going to be temporary. These um, issues with insurance, these, the the kind of deadlock with uh, where we don't have sellers selling and we have these buyers buying. Um, you know, I think that there will be an influx of um, inventory coming in from the new construction builders once they can figure out that supply chain and. And finish up with the labor. You do know? you see that improving at all? Yeah, I, I do. I'm starting to to get some. I I, <laughs> I register for a whole bunch of updates. So twice a day, I get emails. First thing in the morning, what's happened in the overseas market, essentially, that might affect my pricing today. Um, you know what I'm looking at, and then I get something usually around four o'clock. So I sign up for all of these like housing wires. This amazing. Um, uh, email that I get, they've got a website that has just a ton of information. They they pull together a lot of data from other sources and they're showing that new construction uh, companies, builders are, are probably going to have a bigger inventory than what they were planning on because what happens when it's 30 days prior to that home completion and all of a sudden that buyer doesn't qualify any longer because of insurance costs going up, interest rates going up. Um, you know, I we're on the brink of, if not stepping into a recession, and mm -hmm. what happens inside of a recession? Um, overtime tends to stop. Bonuses and commission structures can either be changed or erased. <laughs> and if you're used to living off of that income, and now that's going to start decreasing, are you going to be comfortable with that, you know, payment? So 
there's just a whole lot of moving parts right now. So now when you say recession, uh, I, we've gone through a couple of recessions in my lifetime, uh, not a depression though, but my grandparents did live through a depression. Um, in fact, my dad, I, even though he was a real young guy, he was born in 25. So he would have experienced that as well. And when you think about uh, that reality of what do you see, how far, if we are, as you say, kind of putting our toes in the water and it's actually, we're dipping into a recession right now, uh, how far is it to a depression? I I really wish I had that crystal ball. I, I hope, I pray that we can avoid that. And that's one of the reasons why interest rates are going up. Um, I'll, I'll do a quick teaching on interest rates. There's three really big interest rates that affect my world. We've got the 10-year the note that I told you about, which is what uh, our 30-year fixed interest rate right. is tied to, and that keeps going up. Uh, another important and major interest rate is the Fed funds rate. So that is the interest rate that banks borrow money from banks. And when that increases, the cost of doing business kind of for everybody uh, increases. And so the Fed's already bumped that up twice. They had said before they did that first bump, which was a quarter, and then the second bump was a half bump was a half a percent. They said this is going to happen seven to nine times over the next two years. So the last time they started playing with the Fed funds rate, because it, before this it was at 0.08, so we just call it zero. Um, the last time they did this, they uh, increased it three full percent over nine bumps. Mm. Um, and so it's already starting. And then what usually correlates with the Fed funds rate is the prime index rate. The prime index rate is what our home equity lines of credit are tied to, auto loans, but most importantly, credit cards. And why this is really important is because it hasn't changed for years. So if you have a 17.99 on your you know, visa card, and that's always what you've seen for your interest, Um, You got quite comfortable with the interest that you paid if you keep a balance or just knowing, hey, I'll I'll avoid that $17.99 by paying it off, you know, before my my grace period. Well, what's going to happen is uh, the prime index rate going up several times, um, that's going to wind up costing so much more, thousands of dollars more in interest every year for those families, unfortunately, that carry a balance. balance. And there are millions of people that carry a balance. So the average in America of households that do carry a balance have over $9,300 on their credit cards. Oh my goodness. So if that goes up 3%. Yeah. At at plus 20%, if it gets up that high, then that's the, the, and they're making minimum payments. A minimum payment is not even covering the amount of interest charge. Correct. It would take you six, seven, eight, nine years in some cases if you're just making your minimum payment to get out of that debt. Or, or maybe never. Or, or, or never. Yeah. yeah. And so, so the higher you, you charge on your credit cards because you're not able to pay that balance down, that affects your debt utilization. And your debt utilization affects your credit score. When your credit score goes down, your interest rates tend to go up because you're a bigger risk. Mm-hmm. It's a vicious cycle. It really is. And I thank you for that lesson because that is really true. We look at all these markers, these index indices, as uh, the word would be, they they all kind of come together. You mentioned the term a perfect storm, and we're really in that perfect storm right now because uh, then you take all of the other bad news that's inflation coming in about inflation and, and possible yeah war, and then you're talking about possible food shortages. I, I'm reading more and more about that. I mean, we already know now that America has seen a great shortage in baby formula, yes. uh, and this is I mean, I've got a, a grandson that uh, my my uh, daughter uh, he's just a couple of months old now 
he's already having a, a real, I mean, they're having a real difficult time finding formula. Oh, terrible. Yeah. So this is, all of these things come together. So we have to, we have to uh, work to get out of debt. If you're not out of debt, work to get out Amen. of debt. Amen. <laughs> because that's not going to be Start with a good, those credit card balances. Yeah. Uh, do what Dave Ramsey said. Use the debt snowball. Get yes. rid of those high interest uh, loans and and get and then live within your means. And don't be like the guy that said, I'm going to live within my means even if I have to borrow to do it. <laughs> don't do that, okay? That's not wise. <laughs> Christy Naruzzi is my guest. We'll be back one more time with her. This is Afternoons with Mike, and you're on The Shepherd. Christy Naruzzi is my guest today, and this has been a lot of fun. You know, we're living in that time, Christy, where we know that everybody still has to live. And if they're moving, they get a new job, they're going into a new market. And right now, is it's a swirl. I mean, when you go in, number one, uh, what I've heard from people, and I know my wife and I, when we moved here in 2019, uh, we... We've experienced this back then that when you, when you look at a place and you go, ah, that might work out before you can even make an offer, mm-hmm. it's gone. It's gone. And and that has been like times four or so for people who are trying to do that right now. Yes. And then when you add to that now, this uh, growing cost of, of getting a mortgage, mm-hmm. uh, how high do you, I know you don't have a crystal ball and right. I know that, but let, let me pose this question this way. What would you not be surprised at if if you were to see an interest rate be such? What would it be? I'm anticipating embracing for around six, probably this summer. And it wouldn't surprise me if we made it to seven. Wow. And yeah. that is that is, like you said, an exponential number when it comes to figuring out your mortgage uh, costs for yes. your home. Uh, every time you add even a quarter of a point, it jumps that figure up. It absolutely changes your affordability. Yeah. And so, um, you know, back back to what we were talking about earlier um, for just a moment with insurance, you know, we're adding a, a, a few extra bucks for that insurance, you know, proposed insurance payment to make sure that, you know, that affordability is there. But yeah, yeah it's going to push some people out of the market. And, you know, not everybody should be a homeowner, you know. Just like not everybody should be self-employed or, you know, this or that. Like it's some, not everything is for everybody. Um, But we, we are on the brink of a really big disaster if prices for rent and costs of homes continue to escalate at the the pace that they are. Mm -hmm. It's just completely outpacing, you know, uh, raises and cost of living adjustments for, you know, social security and disability and those kinds of things. So. Uh, if if the average cost of living goes up, you know, historically speaking, three percent, we can tend to keep up with that in our earnings. Mm-hmm. But you know, we we looked at a twenty two percent, you know, jump. We we cannot sustain that. So a lot of the predictions are saying uh, housing prices and rent anticipate seven to eight percent increase. Um, you know, there the government is uh, increasing that Fed funds rate in an effort to uh, to, to grasp inflation, you know, right now we're what at eight and a half percent. So what that means is, you know, take eight and a half cents off of every dollar because the buying power has been reduced by that amount. So if your buy, if your dollar doesn't go as far and everything costs a little bit more. And that would be true for us all. Yes. Yeah. I I anticipate seeing um, multi-generational families, you know, uh, living together again, um, roommates sounding like not such a bad idea for yeah. single folks. Yeah. And, you know, like if I could go back and, and do it all over again, I bought my first home at 24. I was very proud of that. 
and I had a roommate, um, but I had a three bedroom house, you know, going back, I would have gotten one more roommate and, um, paid it all off, paid everything off, Mm -hmm. you know, started building my little empire at 24. There's something to be said about compound interest and starting young, right? Yeah, there's that old adage that says the rich keep getting richer. And for homeowners that have paid off their mortgages and then their mortgage rates just, I mean, their uh, values just yes. continue to rise. I'm shocked at how much my price the, of my home yes. has increased in value since we bought it. Yes. And, so, you know, there's a catch to that, though. It's only that value the day you sell it. The day you sell right? it. Just like stocks, you know. Yeah. So if you're not selling it today, but don't be surprised if... You know, next year, in the midst of whatever it feels like and looks like, if the value is different, maybe even lower than where it's at right now. Yeah. Um, earlier this morning, I read an article that said, we are at the peak. I don't know if you know you're at the peak until you start climbing down, right? Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah I don't see the peak happening because uh, there's such uh, volatility going on with things like gas prices. Mm-hmm. You know, every day you go in, I, I, I've seen a couple of times in the last couple of weeks where the station that I pass by every day uh, one day dropped 10 cents wow. in one day. Yeah, that's big. And the next day it was right back up yeah. to the same thing. Interesting. And then a day later, it actually bumped up higher. And now it's back down to where it was, not at the 10%, uh, 10 cent lower. Right. But so when you think about that, I, I, there is this sense of conditioning that happens to people. I remember buying gas as low as 18 cents a gallon. <laughs> and then when we, the first time I ever had to pay 40 cents for a gallon, I thought, I'm not going to do this. This is highway robbery. I'm going to find someplace else. And then, you know, you find yourself that you get conditioned mm-hmm. to that 40 cent. And then that's what's happening right now. Yes. And you wonder, where's this going to end and what is it going to take? But I, it is certainly going to take a different way of thinking than our current government seems to be doing right now right and everything has cycles right everything has seasons so this this won't sustain forever it Um, can't no it can't Uh, just like the stock market i mean look at the volatility it's experiencing right now of of course i mean it was high 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 at some point it has to peak (laughs) and um you know we just we have to brace ourselves for the unknown um you know if if you're unhappy with the cost of vegetables at Publix, go buy yourself a garden tower grow your veggies on your back porch or, you know, wherever you have space at home and be in control of that. Um, Really plan out where you're driving. If the cost of gas makes you crazy, you know, it's like you read our mind. Cindy and I were talking (laughs) about doing this very thing Mm -hmm. about making a, uh, uh, a garden in our home, in our backyard. And we don't have a huge backyard, but do you think that's an actual uh, option for people who have no experience in growing things. Absolutely, YouTube University. <laughs> I'll teach you everything. You could you could create a, a really cheap raised um, you know garden bed, or uh, like I said, I've got a garden tower. It was in my garage for a couple of years because I had um, grown a whole bunch of lettuce and vegetables and everything. But then we'd moved, and I just didn't start it up again. And that baby's pulling out. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting in, getting it in gear. Oh my goodness! Yeah. yeah, so you can at least have salads that's grown in your own home. Right, and then you know you're in charge of it. A, mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of what we think is healthy is covered in pesticides, and you know who else, who knows what else. And so you could go onto Amazon or d- different websites and find non-GMO, um, you know, different seed starters. So wow, that's very interesting. Now this whole thing about what we can do, and there are some things that are out of our hands. We yes. can't control every aspect of the economy. We can control our use of credit. Yes. And that is something that, would you say that is job one 
absolutely jump. Well, maybe I would say um, start with a budget. And that feels really yucky for a lot of people because um, it, it hurts to see that a lot of times our outflow exceeds our inflow. And that means we have to make some changes. When I first arrived today, I had said I started working out and I hate it. It hurts. And even when I got home this morning and my husband, Andrew says, you know, how was a class? I was like, it was terrible. I can't wait to go back, you know, because I know I'm, I'm making those steps to make change. Right. Yeah. So so just like in making changes in our spending habits um, and how we handle our money, unfortunately, we've become this instant gratification society where, you know, you deserve it is what we hear in our marketing all the time. And instead of saving and preparing or just swiping a credit card and it's going to cost you way more <laughs> doing it this way, you know, moving forward than even what it has in the past. But um, so, so number one, start a budget and not a balance sheet, not looking at what last month's spending was, but like, where is the shortfall, right? If you are spending $500 more a month than what you're taking home after taxes and insurance and everything, stop the bleeding. Cause you're just digging a hole deeper. No wonder you're carrying a credit card balance and it's going to affect your credit score and those kinds of things. So start there, find out where you can cut and tell yourself you don't have to cut it forever, right? Um, if it's, getting your nails done or, <clears throat> excuse me, um, you know, special treats, dining out, those kinds of things. It's just for now. It's just until you get out of that debt until, mm -hmm. you know, this thing is accomplished. And so start there. The next thing is take a look at your credit report. You can go to annualcreditreport.com, pull all three of the big um, bureaus for free. You do not need to pay for a credit score. It doesn't really matter what your credit score is. You're just checking your information to make sure it's accurate and dispute the things are, that are not accurate. And um, really look at your balances on your revolving. So revolving credit is your home equity line and credit cards. So most of us have credit cards. Uh, you really, the, the ultimate goal is to keep that balance 10% of your limit. And I know somebody right now is going 10%. What's the point of me even having it? I know. It used to be the magic number used to be 30% of your limit. But if you're maxed, you're getting punished on your credit score. And if your credit score is suffering, that means the next time you go to borrow, say for an auto loan or for a mortgage or something that's important to you, you're going to be paying more in interest. And again, caught in that vicious cycle. Do you think that the reason people keep a higher balance uh, going, I mean, I can't, we pay our credit cards off every month. Mm -hmm. Do you think that it's just so crazy to let that thing go? because of the high interest rates, even in this current day, even in the best of times, it was still a lot of money. A lot of people aren't able to. So um, I, I just did, I've got a YouTube channel, I've got a, a podcast, and um, I was just teaching on this as an example. I was I used a $9,000 balance on a credit card with a 17.99 interest rate. And I said, if you wanted this paid off in two years, and you're not gonna use it again, right? You're not closing it off either, because that can affect your credit score. But um, just having it paid off, yeah. and you wanted to do it over 24 months. The payment was $458. And, and most people don't stop to figure out what that payment is going to be. There's all sorts of calculators you can use online. Yeah. So so that's all I did. I just, you know, Googled credit card payoff calculator. I think I went to bankrate.com and, you know, they brought me to a credit card payoff calculator. So you plug in what your interest rate is, what your current balance is, what your goal is, and you know your payment. So assign that as the payment on your credit card. But most most people that carry a balance it's because they're spending more than what they're bringing home. So mm -hmm. there's only a couple of options. You can spend less or you can earn more, right? <laughs> That's right. And regardless, even if you earn more, the idea of spending less is still a good thing. Yeah. It's Now, you have had a nickname in your life, I am told. 
Credit Christie. Credit Christie. So tell me about that. Yes. So a few years ago, I felt this calling to really put the information that I've learned over many, many, many years. I've been in the real estate industry since I was 17 um, out there. And so I started a podcast. It's called Credit Coaching by Christy. And I started a YouTube channel. Uh, I've had a YouTube channel for a few years. One was for uh, is for first time home buyers, and that's called Your Loan Superhero. But then I created Credit Christy where I could talk more about money and finances and mindset mm-hmm. and credit and teach it that way. So um, the podcast has over 80 episodes at this point. And um, I don't know, but I think between the two YouTube channels, I probably have a couple hundred videos. And I just have this calling to teach. So I, I teach a lot to my clients, especially I work with a lot of first-time home buyers. I wrote a book for first-time home buyers. And, um, Tell us about that book. Yeah, the book um, got published earlier this year in February. It's called First Home, Where to Start and How to Win. Oh my goodness, congratulations. Thank you, yes. That's um, a big deal. It, it, I remember sitting uh, at lunch with Mark talking about it uh, last year. It, it was a lot, a lot of hours. So it's sold on Amazon. Uh, I even did an audio version. It's my voice. <laughs> um, but I've got an Audible, the printed version, and Kindle version. And I'm very proud of it. There's a a ton of information from uh, choosing your realtor, what you can and can't negotiate, what you need to know in advance of buying a home. Some of the terminology is broken out. I talk about specific loan programs, specific types. Condos are very different uh, and processed very differently than um, single family homes, Uh, all the way to how to pay off your mortgage at an accelerated pace um, through biweekly payments. So how to save money, how to shop for insurance, those kinds of things. So a lot of, a lot of information in there. So it just, you know, my heart is to teach and to train. And so right now I'm creating a course for brand new realtors. Um, there's so many people entering the real estate market thinking it's going to be just like the, you know, do it yourself network, <laughs> HGTV yeah. style, DIY. you're going <laughs> to, you know, crush it in this industry and, uh, it's a lot burn and fizzle in their very first year. So I work with hundreds of realtors a year and I see what works and what doesn't. And so I'm putting together some coursework, uh, that I want to give for free to those that are, you know, starting off in the industry to help master their skills, their negotiations, their closing skills, um, checklists, you know, uh, all, all sorts of information to really serve their clients. Well, we've got to raise the standards, Mm -hmm. uh, in this industry and I want to be part of it. So we've been talking a lot about how to reduce costs and you're offering things that's real true knowledge. And it doesn't cost anybody anything to listen to this podcast. Tell us how people can listen and how they can subscribe. Thank you. So you could literally just Google Credit Christy. You'll see all of my listings there. Uh, My podcast, Credit Coaching by Christy, is on pretty much all platforms. So iTunes and Spotify, all of those things. The book is on Amazon. Uh, first home, where to start, how to win, and my YouTube channel. If you put in Credit Christy, you'll find me there. And that's Christy with a K, K K-R-I-S-T-I. Naruzi, and I'm going to let you spell your last name so people can get it. You got that. it. N-O-W-R-O-U-Z-I. Christy Naruzi. My guest today, thank you so much. This has been so much fun. Thank you, uh, I love the added uh, spice that Napoleon Dynamite comments <laughs> have brought in. Thank you for that thank as you well. So much. We have to have you back up. I'd here. love that. Yeah. I would absolutely love that. Yeah, it's a lot of fun to get to talk to a, an expert and a pro at something that is uh, in the news every day. And it's going to be that way probably for the next season of our life. Thank you, Christy. And friends, thank you for being with me as well. We'll see you next time right here on The Shepherd.